space the spirit of the Lord is moving in this place the spirit of the Lord is moving in this place the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is dwelling in our hearts. The Spirit of the is dwelling in our hearts the spirit of the lord is dwelling in our hearts the spirit of the lord is dwelling in Still in this atmosphere, let us focus on the fact that the Father dwells here. He's here. Let us look at his light and recognize. The Bible says that in him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. It overwhelms that darkness. It overwhelms. It outshines. It destroys the influence of darkness. It destroys its power. So wherever Christ is, darkness is absent. Wherever Christ is, there is only light. Wherever Christ is, there is glory. And Christ dwells in our hearts. Just lay your hands on your heart and say, Christ dwells here. Christ dwells here. Christ dwells here. If a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things, whatever you can put into that word, all, all things have passed away. And everything has been made new. As we are about to go into the time of the word, kindly say something to your father and begin to bless his name and exalt him for who he is. The fact that you are here is not by power nor by might, but by his spirit. The Lord has a plan for you. That is why the scripture says, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Magnify him now. Magnify and exalt his name. Bless him for who he is. The one who is the king forever. The one who rules in the affairs of men. The one who is called the great I am. The one who decrees a thing and it is established. When he said let there be, there was. Because inherent within his word is the power to perform. So therefore exalt his name and magnify him. Oh, Come and pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the spirit and magnify his name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul and exalt him bless the Lord oh my soul and thank him for all his benefits 
embrace it. Basic the breakers go to Hoshe. Someone say Jesus is Lord. 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 Someone say Jesus is life. And because he is life, I dwell in life. Because he is glory, I dwell in glory. Because he is true, I dwell in the truth. If you believe all that you have said, just praise the name of the Lord just one last time and exalt him. Father, we pray that even as your word comes forth, it shall be to your glory. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that everything that shall be said here shall not be the words of men. It shall not be to prove a point. It shall not be to look good. Father, all that we desire, Father, is that you will teach us in your way and that we will know your truth, that we will know who you are and walk in the light of your word. So, Father, I pray if there be any stronghold of misunderstanding, every stronghold of doubt, every stronghold of fear, every stronghold that brings forth a shakiness, a waviness, O oh Lord, in the faith of the believer, I pray that it will be destroyed and uprooted. That's why your word says that we cast down every strong argument, every strong argument that stands against the knowledge of Christ, that the knowledge of Christ might be the one that is upheld and that takes all the place in the heart of the believer. So we pray in the name of Jesus that we all will see you even as you are known, as you are written in your word. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And the people of God said, Amen. It is a great honor and pleasure. I do not take this opportunity lightly to share the word of God with my brothers and my sisters. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as the word is coming forth, we do not have an argumentative spirit, neither do we look at it from the lens that we have grown up with, but that we see from the scriptures what the word of God is saying and that we accept it as truth, that we accept it as truth. As some of us might be aware, our pastor is not here, but I honor him in his absence. He is going to be in Lynchburg today um, because of some duties. So after the service, please do your best to reach out to him just to express your love and um, recognize that he was missed in the service. Also, I'd like to honor the leadership. Um, our fathers, our mothers, I honor you. Brothers and sisters, I honor you, even as the word of God comes forth. Um, so we'll be continuing in our, ser in our series, Goodness. Continuing in our series, Goodness. Um, the first topic that was taken was, who here can remember the first topic that was taken? I know it, don't worry. Who here can remember? I'm not trying to use style. No, not you. Oh, wow. It, it was taken by our brother, Minister Eric, a very powerful message on goodness, the nature and the character of God. I told you I know it. I just wanted to see how many people remember. And that was his definition of goodness. And then last week, who here remembers the topic last week? Not, not you, not you. Not the people that wrote it down because they can just spy their notes. <laughs> okay. So last week, our pastor preached powerfully, a doctrinally powerfully sound message on absolute goodness. 
absolute goodness. And he defined goodness as the nature of God that carries God's treasures, which he reveals in the believer. The nature of God that carries God's treasures, which he reveals in the believer. Now, let us quickly read, and we're going to be taking this passage from Matthew chapter 19, from verses 16 to 22. Matthew chapter 19, from verses 16 to 22. The topic before us today is goodness. You can put part three, but it's goodness. Um, and are we there? God bless you. It says, and someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And, he, and Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. So you see something here. In verse 16. Verse 16. He asked and said, good teacher, what good thing shall I do? that I may have eternal life. That question, if you look at it, he was focusing on himself. What good thing can I do? I would love at any means necessary to do something that will make me earn eternal life. So it was focused on himself and what his nature, he and his limited self could do. But we see in verse 17 that Jesus responds to him and asks him a question. He says, why do you call me good? Do you see that? He said, why do you ask me about what is good? Some others will say, why do you call me good? In other words, what is your definition of good? What have you seen that you are calling good? How do you understand goodness? What is your framework? By what measuring rod? By what yardstick? Are you saying that I am good? Do you understand goodness? Do you truly know what goodness is? And then Jesus goes on and says that there is only one that is good. And it is only when you begin to look from his point of view, you will know what is good. Only one is good, and that is God. So Jesus there defines goodness as God. 
So if you want to know goodness, it is not in acts, it is in the person. But because Jesus, he is love, he asks the question, what can I do? And then Jesus responds and told him, the yardstick for goodness. He said, in verse 18, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he said, if you want to earn it, do the law. If you want to earn it, do the law. But then he goes further. He answered his question by giving him the law. But then he said, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to be perfect, and if you want to be complete, Go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Now turn to your neighbor. And say, please, don't sell all you have. Jesus was here trying to prove a point. He was showing him a better, complete, and mature way himself. So in that response, when he told him to lose his identity, he was telling him to lose that identity in wealth because the man was rich. He was telling him to use his youth to serve him because he was young. He was telling him to leave his earthly influence and authority because he was a ruler. And he said, use all that you possess, your wealth, your identity in your wealth, your identity in your youth, your identity in your authority, and come, leave it all behind, and let your identity be found in me. So use your youth to follow me. The ability that you use in creating wealth, use that to follow me, to serve me. The ability that you have as a ruler, as one with authority, come and find your authority in me. Let me be the source of your wealth. Let me be the source of your authority. And use your youth. Invest your youth in me. All he needed was Jesus. So he said, if you want maturity, if you want completeness, if you want perfection, you find it in me. But if you want to earn, you find it in the law. Do we get that? If you want to earn, he asks a question, and that is why we love Jesus so much. When you ask him, he gives you an answer. He said, how can I earn it? He gave him the law. But then, if you want a better way, come with me. Are we getting it? Because goodness is found in me. 
you don't have an understanding of what goodness is. When you are calling me good, are you calling me good because you saw me feed the 5,000? Or are you calling me good because you saw me healing? What is your definition of goodness? He tells him, only one is good. And you know goodness by seeing through him. So when we think about the attributes of goodness, Jesus says in verse 17 that God is good. The definition of goodness, the framework on which goodness is built, can only be found in God. And the second attribute that we can also apply to goodness is that whatever God says and does is good. Whatever God says and does is good. Can we repeat that together? Whatever God says and does is good. Now, when we go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And we look at the days of creation. We read from verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And then there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. So you see here that in the beginning, God created the heavens. So his voice was before the first day of creation that we are aware of. So he said, let there be light. So you see here that, that the word of God and the spirit of God are the first life or should I say, first living creatures or beings that the scriptures record. So we see the spirit of God hovering upon the waters. But the spirit of God was waiting for something. Was waiting for an instruction. And that instruction was found in the word that was released. So when John was saying in the beginning was the word, he was saying the first thing we see in creation, all things that were made were, were not made without him. There was nothing made that was made without him. Because the word was required for creation to exist. And so when he brought forth that word and said, let there be light. Everything that was required for light was, was within that word. And then it brought forth light. And from that creation of light, God saw that there was good in what he had done. So it was from his voice, his word. That creation became evident, and once it became evident, God saw that the word that he released brought forth what was good. So when God said it, because it proceeded from him, it became that which came from him. What do I mean by that? Because it came out of him, every attribute within him, 
was poured into his word. And because it came forth from him, it replicated everything that he was. So you cannot, that's why when James was talking, he said, sweet water and bad water cannot come from the same source. It is only that which is within the source that is replicated, that is, that is duplicated. Do we understand that? So what was within the vessel that poured forth the word became evident as light. But in, even when that light was formed, it had the characteristics of the one that brought it forth. So whatever God says and does, because it's coming from him, it's proceeding from him, it becomes, it takes the form and the character and the nature of who he is. So when he said, let there be light, the word possessed everything that is called God. And then when it, as, as in seed form, and when it brought forth that which it was sent to bring out, it brought forth that thing it was sent to bring out with the characteristics and the nature of the person who brought it forth. So by that same inference, we can also say that everything God creates is good. Man was created on the sixth day, and man was created good until sin was found in him. How many of us know that sin in itself was a creation of man? God never created evil. Sin was a creation of man. How did sin, how was sin created by man? I know some people are looking at him, what's, 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 this, what's this guy saying? The day, that, the day that Adam went in and listened to the devil, the day he took information from the devil, the day he believed the devil over God was the day that sin came into the world. That is why the book of Romans said sin came into the world through one Adam. It is through him sin came in. If Adam never disobeyed God, if Adam never listened to the devil, Sin would never have come into this world. But in the garden, when Adam was created, he was created good. Why? Because everything God says and does is good. But when he disobeyed the Lord, there was a swap of authority. There was a change in nature. A change in who Adam was. He received into himself the sin nature. And then man's understanding and definition of good was also twisted. It was also twisted. Now we see here that though man fell, when Christ came and saved man, we realize that that new creature that comes from Christ, there is a reversion of states. If a man receives Christ, he loses, he loses that sin nature. Don't you never say, I am not a sinner. 
I am not a sinner. Say it boldly. I am not a sinner. You see something. You see something. When you received Christ, the day you received Christ, it is God that came into your heart. You have to understand that the new creation in himself is holy. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says this. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Someone shout, say, I have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. So that creation, that new creation is the very handiwork of God. The very handiwork of God. The new creation in itself is the replica of Christ and possesses the fullness of God. The new creature is the replica of Christ and possesses the fullness of God. Colossians chapter 2 from verses 8 to 10. Colossians chapter 2 from verses 8 to 10. Colossians chapter 2 from verses 8 to 10. He says this. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made. 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 And he is the head over all rule and authority. He said, he said something. He said that in him, the fullness of deity, that's the fullness of God. The fullness of God dwells in him. And in him, you have been made the fullness of God. The fullness of the spirit of God. The fullness of the word of God. The fullness of the son of God. In him. Is the fullness of all that we call God. And then he says, in him you have been made whole. Other, other, other scriptures will say, in him you have been made complete. In other words, you lack nothing. When he gave you himself, he gave you himself. That's why when our brother was praying, he said that God gave us himself. He did not give you part of himself. He did not say, you take my finger, you take my heart, you take my leg. No, he came, he gave you his whole entire being. So when he said he has given you himself, he has given you his voice, he has given you his light, he has given you his sight, he has given you his strength, he has given you his glory. He said, in him, you are whole. He didn't say, in him, you will be. He didn't say, in him, you may be. He didn't say, in him, you will be whole when you pray, 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 pray. Is that what he said? He said, in him, you are. Let's even keep going to verse 13. Because this Colossians is filled with some very, very juicy scriptures. It says, and in him, verse 11, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
No matter where you find yourself, because of the goodness of God, when God gives, he doesn't give partially. When God gives, he doesn't give partially. He said he is the liberal God that gives without finding fault. He will never find fault with you. When he said he causes the rain to fall on the good and the bad. He said while we were yet sinners, it was while we were yet against him, he gave himself. This is the nature of the God that we serve. Have you ever wondered? I have always wondered this. Now, I, I personally, I have wondered this. You see, Jesus had 12 people around him. And then, he still had someone that was wicked. He had a thief in his, in his inner circle. He was, so he was stealing. He, was, he had fame in his recognition as a thief. To the point that even all the disciples knew he was stealing. You know why I'm always amazed about that story? Jesus. Jesus. Never took that responsibility away from him. Do you think about that? If it were in our generation. <laughs> it's not fire. fire. Fire will even be good. If they, if they sack you, that's good. But they will first make sure they embarrass you before they sack you. <laughs> A man that was known to steal was still given the opportunity. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was given the opportunity. He was given consistently that opportunity to repent. And even to the point when he knew that this man was going to sell him off, he still did not send him away. Wherever the 11 went, he was there because he was part of the 12. When he sent the 72 to go and evangelize, he was one of them that ran back and said, we used your authority. We used your authority. See this good God. If he's giving to a, B, C, and D. He will give to them liberally. Haven't you ever wondered that Balaam was a prophet who truly spoke the word of God? But yet, God did not take it away from him. Rather, he still made his donkey to speak and caution him. See the love, the goodness of God. Even while he was in the midst of going to try to destroy God's people, God still said, through that donkey, what are you doing? He used a donkey, according to Jude, to query the madness of the prophet. See the extent that he would go. The goodness of our God. He does not desire that anyone be perished. He does not desire to embarrass anyone. If you see embarrassment and shame, it is not God. I repeat it. If you see embarrassment and shame, it is not God. When Adam sinned, 
And they found out that they were naked. And they sowed leaves upon themselves. Do you think God came and said, come on, take that thing away? What did he do? He gave them something better. And he gave them a better promise. The goodness of our God. Now, while I am saying this, please, I did not say you can do anything. I am only saying this for the benefit of those who are finding themselves in a situation where they feel ashamed to come into the presence of the light of God because of the think of where they are. He will never send you away. His arms are wide. He wants you to come. And then he pours himself into you so that you too can stand in dignity. So wherever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in, the goodness of God is calling on you and saying, come. You are the very reason I faced adversity on the cross. The very reason I faced shame on the cross. So when he said that by his stripes we were healed, he said he was bruised for our iniquities. He took away the shame. He faced that shame so that you would not walk in shame. He took away that pain so that you would walk in glory. He took away the shame of sin so that you would walk in the pride of his holiness. That's why we don't boast about anything that we have done. There is nothing we have done in ourselves. We all know where we would have been if it were not for God. Another fact. Oh, I was going to uh, verse 13. But let's, let's, let's go away from that now. And let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 14, chapter 6 from verses 14 to 16. The new creation man. Wherever you see Paul. And, and can I pause for a minute? And the reason why I'm doing this is I desire that we all, when we study the scriptures, we see with the light that God sees us. So when we study the scriptures, there are some principles of study that we have to follow. Firstly, when you are looking at the scriptures, you have to look at the intended audience of that scripture. So the question you ask is, what is this particular thing, this particular verse I'm reading, who was it written to? It is extremely important because you can read a verse and misapply it to yourself. Now, I'm not saying it, was, it is wrong for that verse to be there. It, everything, the Bible says every scripture was written, inspired of God. So it was written there for a reason. But it might not have been written to the church. It might have been written to the Jews. Now, would that particular verse be, be helpful to you? Yes. It could be helpful to you. Now, a man of God, um, this was Kenneth E. Hagin, used to say this, and I never understood it. He said that most of this Old, Old Testament was written for us, for our benefit, 
but it was not written to us. That most of the epistles were written to us. So you spend more of your time studying the epistles. Now, listen to what I have said and please don't misinterpret me and say what I have not said. I have not said that the Old Testament is not useful. Please, the scripture is one. The Old and the New are the scripture of God. And they were placed in there for our benefit. And apart from that, the New was derived from the Old. That's why the Bible, that, that, not, not the Bible, people will say this. People will say that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In other words, the Old Testament, within it are hidden tidbits of what is found in the New Testament. And, but the, old, the New Testament reveals everything hidden in the Old Testament. That is what I'm saying. But at the same time, you do not apply some things that were written there in the church. That is why when you are studying the epistles, Paul will start by saying to the saints in Ephesus. He will say to the saints in Colossae. He will say this is written to the saints. There were some, there were some people he did not... He didn't even give that introduction to for like Galatians when they went back to the law. Because he was so upset with the Galatians, he called them foolish Galatians. Having begun in the spirit, why have you now gone back to the flesh? And that was the only church he rebuked that way. Why? Because they were going back to the law, trying to earn what God had given freely. Having begun in the spirit, why are you now being perfected in the flesh? Now, there was another church that was called the Canal Church because they were doing things that were wrong. And that was the, the church in Corinth, in, in, in Corinth. But we noticed that even in the Corinthian church, he still said that they were called saints. He always tried to awaken within them the understanding of who they were. Even when they were caught in a state that was bad and negative, he never ever said, you are a sinner. No. He said, that is what you once were. But now you are washed. Now you are sanctified. Now you are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and in his blood. Let's look at, are we there? 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verses 14. To 16. Here we see Paul trying to put a dividing line to make the believer understand where they stand. He says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Recognize where you are. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness. He calls the believer righteousness. He calls the unbeliever lawlessness. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? He calls the believer light, the unbeliever darkness. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? He calls the believer Christ, calls the unbeliever Belial. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? See the division. He says, for we are the temple of God. 
of the living God. Just as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Remember, you are seeing there, I will, I will, because that was written as a promise in the Old Testament. But that promise, that promise, that promise was fulfilled in Christ. That is why he keeps saying, you are the temple. Now, am I saying that would the believer occasionally misstep? Would the believer never do anything that is wrong? No, that's not what I'm saying. There are times you might enter into a fit of rage. There are times you might do something that might be unbecoming. But that is not your default state. I can come in like my, my papa there. His default state is to speak French. Now, having found out that there are times where you would have to speak French, <laughs> having found out there are times where you have to speak French, I found out that there's just one sentence me I need. Just one sentence. And that is, tu parles anglais? Tu parles anglais? You speak English? That's all I need when facing a French-speaking man. Tu parles anglais? Now, the fact that I say to parle anglais once in a while, even if it sounds right, does it sound, does it sound right? Um, oh. <laughs> now, even if I say that once in a while, does that make me a French-speaking man? Why? Because my default state is what? No, I'm not. Well, my default state is English. Now, understand this, that the default state of the believer is righteousness. That is who you are. Even if you misfire, your identity is not in that act. Your identity is in what has been created. And when you see that, you understand that you and I have been formed in a good nature. Everything within you is the goodness of God. So when you think about the definition that pastor gave, he said the nature of God, that God, uh, that carries God's treasures, which he reveals in the believer. It is God in you that is being revealed as the goodness of God. That is the greatest good that has been done upon the face of the earth. That that which was bad was turned into good by the act of one who came as God in a man that we all might see his life and be restored to the Father. May we rise up on our feet.